Hi, I'm Stephanie J. Block. And I'm Mary Lee Fairbanks. Welcome to Stages Podcast, where we're bringing creation and connection to center stage. Stages Podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Oh, it's autumn. It's sweater weather. And here in the Northeast, it is also time to start preparing for the stillness of winter. Some trees change color and shed leaves and carloads of leaf peepers put on their sweaters and head to the Northeast to bathe in its beauty. But the process of leaf shedding is so much more than just a tourist attraction. When a tree sheds, it conserves energy and strength. It pulls the nutrients from each leaf and then allows that leaf to fall away to the ground. Over time, it's covered in snow and creates fertile topsoil for new life. And just like the trees, it is the perfect time of year for all of us to let the things that no longer serve us fall away. I love that image, pulling wisdom from past experiences and then letting them fall away in order to grow new dreams. But letting go isn't easy. It's a practice like everything else. And sometimes we need a little help navigating that process. And this is where BetterHelp can help. BetterHelp offers customized online therapy, either on video or live phone chat sessions. It is very affordable and you can speak to someone within 48 hours. A good therapist can really help you pull wisdom from the past and let go with kindness and courage. I highly recommend. BetterHelp has a special offer for Sage's podcast listeners. You receive 10% off your first month with BetterHelp. So many of our listeners have taken advantage of this and we thank you because when you support BetterHelp, you support Sage's podcast all while supporting your own well-being. So just for today, put on a new sweater and then I want you to close your eyes, pick one thing that you can learn and grow from, watch it change color and fall away, and then grow a new dream. Log on to BetterHelp, that's H-E-L-P, slash stages, and love where you are now. Thanks, BetterHelp. If you could play one role, regardless of age, regardless of typecasting, what would it be? I always sang Cinderella stuff because that suits my voice better. But, but no one would have red. ever cast it. You understand me. that? Yeah. You are a little red. <laughs> You're insatiable. You're sassy. You're dangerous. I you will kick on that I'd giant. Whip a knife out at someone for sure. Yeah. You're yeah. Little Red Riding Hood. Yeah. Hello, everybody. Today, I am the lone host, but don't be disappointed because I have two guests, my partner in crime, Stephanie J. Block, and her wonderful husband, Sebastian Arcellus. I had the extreme pleasure of seeing both of them in Into the Woods. And what I will say about this show is that the performances of literally every single cast member is perfection. This version of Into the Woods is as close to a perfect Broadway show as you will ever find. The casting, the directing, the design, all of it. To me, it is what theater should be. Clean and directed brilliantly so that you can focus on and take in every brilliant word and note. You're swept up in the humor and the joy and the confusion and the sadness of everyone's story. To just focus on my two guests today for a moment, I won't give away too much, but I will say this. Steph. It is not silly to say that this role feels like it was written for you. You can see how much fun that you're having up there. The songs just float out seemingly without effort. But there's one moment that I won't give away. It is at the end of Moments in the Woods. 
you take a breath. Everyone in the audience takes that breath with you. I've never seen anyone else do it at the end of the song. And that moment deepened the song tenfold. It was stunning. Seb, I adored you as the baker. I loved the way you approached this character, the way you underplayed the humor in the beginning. It was so subtle that when you take that turn right before No More, it is impactful. Suddenly this sweet guy breaks your heart wide open. When you turned and you said, no more, no more questions, please. I started to cry. I didn't stop crying until the end of No One Is Alone. The whole front of my shirt was soaking wet because I didn't bring a tissue because I didn't think I'd be crying because I'd seen the show so many times. The word that I would use for your performance in that moment was haunting. We talked about it for days. I have to say that the two of you made these parts completely your own, and I am so happy. Not only that I got to see you do it, but that you can experience this together and then take time to talk about it. So please welcome Seb Arcellus and Stephanie Locke. Hello. <laughs> wow, Marilee. You're wow. so haunting, Seb. <laughs> it was haunting. It really was. Michael was like, you know what it is? That, that is like the perfect adjective. He, he, it is. It, it is was haunting. It broke my heart. And I really didn't bring a tissue. I'm like, oh, please. I've seen the show like a hundred times. I'm not going to cry. I bawled because, oh, but because I think it was, you were so subtle through the beginning. Like a lot, a lot of people play that part, which will punch the humor in the beginning. And you were really subtle with the humor. And so that when you took that turn, it was like, I don't know, it just broke it wide open in a, in a really different way. It was amazing. It, you guys were so good. I can't even talk. So I want to see it again. <laughs> The beauty so of nice. it is that I think we're still, and we will continue to find things every single night. Um, that happens with me anyway, when I do a show and we're in previews, which I consider we're still in previews because we've only been doing the show for two and a half weeks, which is crazy. But by like week four or five, you're like, oh, there's this moment. Mm-hmm. Ooh, if I connect this to this in act one, then the payoff for me and the audience will be triple if I do that. So the mining of these characters, I don't think is going to, yeah. is going to stop, you know? Well, and it looked like with you and the prince, you guys were having so much fun. It was so obvious that you were literally just playing and that you were going with it together. I could tell he was doing things to you to genuinely <laughs> make you laugh. Oh, it was so fun to watch those moments with you guys, with Gavin Creel. He's... First of all, he's hysterical, and I really hope he gets a Tony nod for his work because he's so funny, so so oh, funny, so funny, a big dum dum. And, and you're right; he does want to play. He does want to play. He's like the the mixture between like a, a Russell Terrier and a praying mantis. I don't even know how to explain it. <laughs> we were doing the put in, and I actually missed my next entrance. Put in being the rehearsal you know, in costume before we actually take the stage for the first time. And I missed my entrance because I was too, I was peeled on them. My eyes were peeled on them. And I, I, <laughs> I, I just broke it up every night. Have you ever done these roles before, either of you? Um, I played the baker my senior year of college uh, at Williams College, which is actually where Stephen Sondheim went to college as well. Uh, but this was a small production. Uh, musicals were um, not really part of the uh, theater department's curriculum. I wasn't a theater major. So this was a student-run production. It was my senior year. Give him the year I need to know, old man. This was 1999. <laughs> That's not that long ago. <laughs> Which is so interesting because, you know, back then you think of Into the Woods having been around for so long, but it really was only 12 years old, the yeah, show itself. Yeah. Um, 
And I had, by that point of my college career, <laughs> career decided to become an actor. So there was something sort of pivotal about being a part of this show because I was approaching it from the standpoint of, oh, this is my at least, uh, you know, chosen endeavor, you know, mm-hmm. it's not a career yet. Anyway, um, our big thing with that particular show was we had a grad student who was um, uh, very accomplished uh, design our costumes. And the costumes, the design that he had was for us all to wear spray painted garbage bags. That's our costumes. It's very artsy fartsy. Now, there, there were a number of challenges. One, is garbage bags. So, <laughs> not- which, by the way, honey, we need to pick up garbage bags. We're out. <laughs> Small trash bags. Yes, that's true. Thank you for the reminder. Um, so, one, loud. Two, sweaty. Spray paints, uh, you know, the fumes, not so good for, and you know, the paint's uh, probably cracking all over the stage was- and falling off. You know, with due respect, it was not the best design. <laughs> and uh, we had, it presented many challenges. Luckily, the day before our dress rehearsal, we came into the theater and the custodial staff had thrown out our costumes, <laughs> taken them for garbage. In the end, they may have been. And we all forged our, uh, our, our closets in, in our dorm rooms and pieced together a costume design and, and did the show. And, it, you know, it was, Totally cathartic back then, but as a, whatever I was, 21 year old, I probably had a 30% true understanding of what the show. Yeah, you don't have the life experience at that age. You don't know what it is to have children. You don't know what it is to really struggle. You don't know what it is to have your hopes dashed time and time again. So you can bring so much more to it. You know, it's an entirely different experience now and, and obviously much deeper now that we're old. I'm older than him. So that even compounds itself. For me, no, I've never done Into the Woods. I've never done a Stephen Sondheim show, period. But for me, my love of this piece, which we've even chatted about before I I had been offered the, the role, I do feel like there were enough people putting it out into the universe that somehow we did manifest this opportunity. And I feel so grateful. But I do remember it was my sweet 16th birthday and one of my dearest friends to this day, the gift to me was the double album of Les Mis and the double Mm. album of Into the Woods. Mm -hmm. And you would open up the big album twofold, right? Yeah, I had that. In the seam was the production shot of the entire cast. And I remember listening to it multiple times, not really grasping it until probably the fourth or fifth listen. I just didn't have a mature enough ear or musical palette to, you know, hum it, hum along. Um, but then once it caught, that was it. And I did want to play the baker's wife. That was one that I had kind of prepared myself literally just by the love of the piece, singing it everywhere, whether I was driving to, you know, wait tables at Marie calendars or whatever the case may be. And so it was in there somewhere. So when the opportunity came, um, it didn't feel too crazy foreign or like there was no understanding of the piece or who this woman was. I wish I would always tell Sebastian, and maybe you and I have even discussed it, that because musical theater has been my meat and potatoes for so long, it has been my passion and the way I've made my living. And the idea of not sharing a space, a creative space with Stephen Sondheim 
was always a bit heartbreaking to me. So when we lost him last year, there was a, a great ache, but one that I had to sort of come to terms with saying, why do I feel so deeply about losing this human of whom I've never really spent time with in the real sense, you know, as a friend or as one-on-one, but the decades that I spent with his music and creation. And Seb has got a really great quote about him. You know, I was talking right before, it's interesting because right before the pandemic hit, in early March of 2020, we went up, to, a group of us that had graduated from Williams went up to uh, the college and we did this concert celebrating his 90th birthday. Yeah. And I was talking to John Wideman, who obviously was a dear friend of his and wrote Assassins. Wrote Overtures and Assassins yeah. with him. I said, I, I didn't know the man, but I know myself better because of oh, his yeah. existence. Yeah, because and of him. It really is something. Um, and, and and it is something to approach these roles at this point of our life where we have done so much of the work of getting to know ourselves, you know, our strengths, our weaknesses, our vulnerabilities. Um, our difficulty in having a child. I mean, right. the, the parallel of their lives as the baker and the baker's wife really do touch upon so many important moments in our life. I would really say the only thing is that we're more loving, more sensitive, yeah. more understanding than the baker and the baker's wife. And that's a lot of our notes, quite frankly. Yeah, stop touching. Yeah, stop touching. Stop, stop being so sentimental. <laughs> stop loving each other. We need this moment to be, you know. More attention. You can't touch until this line. So those are all the index cards that come forward for our character development with these two characters. But, you know, when you're doing a show and you're in the thick of it and you're like, uh, uh, my voice, uh, uh, I'm worried about this or I'm worried about that. Besides being bone tired, which we are, um, <laughs> I, I find myself, there's some, I, I don't want to get too woo-woo, but like there's some synergy, I think, with regard to these roles with us. I'm not worried about how I sound or what I'm doing or how the moment plays or how. Because it's so I, in your body. I, I was, I was telling Steph, I don't think I've ever been more in my body and less in my head than I have been in this experience. Partially maybe because we were thrust into it and you only have to- We couldn't get in our own way. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But we're lifted by the audience. We're lifted by the cast. I mean, this cast comes together and they literally, when someone hasn't been on yet in a particular role, we get into a, a circle and Joshua Henry, who's, you know, just- has an aura that you can't describe, you know, leads us in, in, in literally breathing life. We put hands on, on the, um, can I say the whole order? There you go. So the group all together takes three breaths in and out as a company. We're all holding each other's hands in a big circle. Then we think of one thing we're grateful for. Then we speak it out into the circle. Then we ask the actor who's going on for the first time in that role to come to the center. We all put hands on that actor. We again, breathe in three breaths together collectively, and then kind of give them the intention of what we want for them in that moment. We count to three and we all scream into the woods and off we go. Come on. And it's holy. It is. I think I love Joshua Henry. You should. He is is remarkable, lovable, 
I talk about a deep well, but the comfort with which he leads these moments, it's just part of his being to speak faith and hope and gratitude into that circle and the willingness to have 30 some people get there before places ready to go to lift this person up and pour love into them and say, here we go. We're going to tell you know the story what it shows though. It shows, I'm telling you, there's something so cohesive about this show. It's, it, it's not a simple show, but somehow it's told with so much simplicity that we hear mm-hmm. every word we feel every moment we're sucked right in. I'm telling you, I, it's one of my most favorite things I've seen um, ever. In, you know, do you think, Mary Lee, do you think it's because, and this just came to me, because we look at the audience at the very beginning and it's almost like we say, we trust you. We see you and we trust you. This is a complicated piece. And by no means are they using production value to appease the audience. They're yeah, saying, I think a lot of times it shows that's what they'll do, right? So they'll have the fancy right. set. So the fancy lighting, almost as a crutch to help you over exactly. the stuff. You may not understand or you exactly. might get bored or it gets So we're going to give you heavy. this crutch to almost distract you a little bit, but this doesn't do any of that. It's so clean. It's so perfect. You do get immediately drawn in. And maybe that is because you guys are all standing there front and center and it's so, but it's, um, I don't know what it is. It's something about the energy of the cast. It's something about, you're you're all definitely telling the same story. Nobody's trying to pull focus and it's, it comes right out. I'm telling you, it just comes right out into the audience. Also, you know, you guys talked about this on a previous podcast, how Into the Woods is life. And and it is, I mean, it, you know, they used, I remember I was in college and we were reading the Brothers Karamazov, which is like, you know, 900 pages and it's ridiculous and um, beautiful. And what's it about? I need to know. It's about Russia. And okay. okay. All right. Thank you. <laughs> and they say that all of life's questions are answered in that book, you know, and, and, and into the woods in some regard is like that. But what, yeah. I, what I was trying to get to is we also can't divorce ourselves from what we've all lived the last few years, Yeah. you know, individually mm-hmm. and collectively. So suddenly we're all in a space together, which we weren't for a long time. And we're in that space to share this particular experience, which we all somehow recognize, even those that don't know it quite well, is going to be more than just a show, but a life experience. And then as performers, in some regard, we've been plucked from our couches <laughs> and and thrust into the holy grail of musical theater. And it's shocking. And we're leading with gratitude and awe. And so you said the word holy, it really does feel like that on a daily basis, um, partially because of where we've been, where we are, and hope of where we're going. Which Well, it's sort of, so in the first part, you guys are all going in as individuals on your individual quests, you know, and that's sort of what COVID feels like. We all became very individual, taking care of ourselves, and you couldn't go out in the world and share the world. And then in the second part, you guys go in as a group to accomplish something. So it almost feels like as a society, we're coming, we just came out of the woods of the individualism. Mm. And we're entering back in as a group trying to move forward, you know, and I think that's that's how it sort of feels. Yeah. Yeah. When you guys have to go to work every day and you're home every day and you're raising a kid every day, I mean, that's a lot of together time. Now, if you had an argument, you're driving in and you have a, you're bickering about something just because you're human and you get in each other's nerves. 
how do you not bring it on stage? <laughs> uh, but you don't get the touchy notes after those performances. No, we don't get the touchy notes after that performance. <laughs> I mean, even if we bicker, I don't think we hold on to it for, ter- for too long. No, I'm pretty good at that. Seb always likes to talk about things at yeah. nauseum, yeah. at nauseum. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I'm very much like, let's chat it out. How, what are your feelings? What are mine? Did we come to a place of understanding? And then I literally turn the page and it goes into some strange file in the back that I'm able to move forward. He wants to linger a little longer and come back and double check, circle back. How you feeling? Are we still on the same page? How you? And I'm like, now I'm mad because now <laughs> we're just picking at something that I thought was already healed yeah. and we're scabbing. We're scabbing. Um, we're we're scabbing. really more appropriate for these characters than anyone might. It's um, really funny. But I will say, we don't really argue. We get a little prickly with each other and it, it may hang over us, um, but we can always laugh about it. We we are always in constant communication. There's never been anything in our life that hasn't allowed us to uh, talk it out or, you know, go to bed with each other at the end of the night and yeah. start a new day with a, a new understanding. Um, that doesn't mean that big life stuff doesn't happen. Sometimes you do have to compartmentalize and say, right now is not the best time to talk about it. To me, it really is all about timing. And we're still a little out of rhythm just because of the magnitude of what we had to undertake to be here in this moment. Yeah, it's and crazy. And I honestly believe it's crazy. Mary Any one somebody, of those things would have caused enormous stress, but you guys did like so. four things. Yeah, listeners, without getting too personal, weeks ago, we were in a foreign country, not knowing that any of this was about to take place. We were in the woods in Norway. When I got a call from my agent, the call kept dropping, but I knew that he was aware we were out of the country. So if he was calling, it was of something of importance. So I picked up and it was, you're on a very short list. This is really close to happening. How do you feel about it? And can you do this in two to three weeks? Can you make your life and all the moving parts that are your life do this? And then a couple days later, Seb got the call to play the baker. And then it was not a no brainer, but it was something that we knew both of our guts, our hearts, our heads had to say yes to. And then we just had to keep putting one foot in front of the other. So that but wasn't something that you put out there. So when you got offered the role, no, I did, I did, I did, I did. Yeah. When I, it's so perfect. I, look, it's look. like, how could you not, you know, who came up with that idea? There's one reason why I get to play the baker with this lady and it's because of who she is. And I am okay with it. <laughs> All right, baby. I am Nothing wrong with that. With but it. I'm here to say nepotism only works if when the person comes forward has the goods to oh, deliver. Of course. Because let's, course. you know, let's not be silly. Jordan Roth, who owns the, you know, Ju Jamson Theater and the St. James and is the producer of this, there's no way he's saying yes because I just happened to, you know, initiate the idea. He's only saying yes right. when course. he knows that Sebastian can bring the goods. Of course. But going back to our life, it was uh, packing up 10 boxes of a California home that we had no time to sell, saying yes to a rental home of which there were only two properties and you had to say yes in five minutes sight unseen, getting Vivi in a brand new school, uh, saying goodbye to my family in Northern California, 
uh, having four days to furnish a home that didn't have a spatula, a shower curtain, mm-hmm. uh, uh, and nothing. And then arriving on August the 18th at three o'clock in the morning to start rehearsals on August the 19th. And away we went. We, and then we getting COVID. COVID. Yeah, Seb got COVID. Yeah. So it's like, seriously, like any one of those things would have been so stressful, you know, yes. that it would cause a, a, yes. a, a lot of anxiety, but you had like, six of them all at once in a matter of two, three weeks. And going back to saying not getting in one's own way. Again, there was no other option, but to put one foot in front of the other, keep going, make it happen, waking up, starting fresh, deal with one thing and then deal with the next thing. And that's it with the next thing. That's it. The, the uh, day before we were, we had our first performance. I was close to a little bit of a, you know, breakdown. And uh, I, I got I got on the uh, phone with my best friend and his girlfriend. And uh, they just said, you know what? And I, I've heard this a thousand times, but not in this way. He said, just be where your feet are. Yeah. Just be where your feet are. Just be where you are. And, and I am someplace in the that past or the future. Every More day. Sondheim. No. Yeah. And that's what we've been doing. And we find that again, art imitating life. We had to do that in life, but you also have to do that with this piece because as soon as you make a mistake, if you think about the past mistake, you've already made another one because you were not in the moment. Right. If you do something wonderful, magnificent, something you're proud of, or if you want to celebrate yourself in that moment and be like, oh, Blown it. There's no time. You've blown right. it. You've already made yep. another mistake. Right. Once this train of Into the Woods is going, you have to be where your feet are or else you will get lost. You will get trampled. It's really humbling. You know what's really funny? The, saying what you just said brought me, I had this crazy dream the other night. I dreamt that my teenage son and I, at this age, were on a hike. We were hiking up a mountain. And as we got up this mountain, we found this movie theater. It was this big outdoor movie theater with these lounge chairs and these things. And I was like, oh, this is so cool. Let's let's grab one of these chairs and watch a movie. So we jump in the chair and this Jim Carrey movie starts to play. And I look over at my son and he was five. And what I realized was it was like this magical movie theater that your child would turn into whatever age he was when you two had watched the movie together. And you got to experience him at that age again for the whole movie. And I was like, Oh my God, he's five. I get to hang out with my five-year-old for like two hours. This is amazing. And I remember he was whiny and he couldn't get his shirt off. And I like, I'll take it off. And I like, you know where they pull their arms up and you pull their shirt off. And I remember kissing the top of his head and feeling his soft, like silky hair. And this, I could smell that little kid smell of like sugar and little kid sweat and (laughs) dirt. And, and it was like, I was eating the moments. And one of the things in that dream, I woke up so happy. My husband's like, I haven't seen you this happy. I was like, giddy. Cause I literally, it was like, I got some weird gift where I got to be with him again. But what it made me realize was how much of the moments of his childhood, I actually did take the time to take in mm-hmm. just like, cause your, your feet are where they are. And even though it's stressful and you get aggravated, taking their shirt off sometimes Something about that dream brought me back to like a, like a tangible moment of his childhood. And that it just came into my head when you said, 
you have to, if you're celebrating because you did something great, or if you're regretting that you just made a mistake, you're not, you're already out of the moment. And there was something about that dream that was so real about being in that moment. And, and I knew it was just going to be for the length of the movie. So I had to just like soak in every second of it. It was a, it was crazy dream. It was, Oh, that's a beautiful dream. That's a beautiful concept. Yeah. And and, we always, when we ask our guests about the superpower, I don't know if you remember, but that's mine. I wanted time travel. I wanted to, and maybe it's counterintuitive to what you just said, but the idea of knowing that you can appreciate those moments so viscerally and all your senses understand who that little person was or who you were in that moment. It's because you were truly there. Mm. You can only go back with such detail, Mary Lee, because you were truly there. Well, I think that is, that is one of the feelings that I got like, wow, somewhere along the way, I really took a moment to remember the smell of sugar in his hair. (laughs) so that I could recall it in that way, but, oh my God, it was this crazy dream. And it was such a gift. And, and you saying about the moment, that's what made me think of that dream again. But we have to, we have to remind ourselves of that all the time, even right now when we're exhausted and there's a long list of things that need to be done here at the home and emails to answer what we're doing. He and I, as husband and wife, Mm -hmm. as artists collectively, this, what a gift. Oh my gosh. And it, to be able to do it together. will not happen together. It doesn't right. happen to begin with. It can't be repeated. It's not, yeah. it's not, it right. is, it is a moment. It's and sometimes shocking. maybe being so exhausted, it helps you, it helps you almost stay in the moment because you're too tired to wander. <laughs> no, you just got to well, focus that is on true. what you're doing right now and find, find the happiness in it. What made you, Seb, when you said that in your senior year, you decided that you were going to be an actor? What were you studying before? And what made you decide, that's it, I'm going to be an actor? You know, I had always done shows and it was more than a hobby. Um, not yet a passion, but something I loved. Um, I, While friends of mine were doing community theater or summer theater, I was working on political campaigns and such. I was very into politics and political science. And um, so I went to college studying international relations. Um, my, I grew up in a family that was very politically conscious and didn't necessarily think I would work in the foreign service, but, you know, DC sort of pulled me in, in, in that direction. Um, so the summer after my freshman year of college, I was volunteering for Clinton Gore and Uh, the campaign and and such. Um, What I found over the course of my college life was that international relations became U.S. involvement in Latin America uh, in the 20th century primarily. The deeper I got into art and art history and theater in college, I was really studying the art of politics more than I was the, the science, right? So while my theater career was converging uh, with that, uh, by, by the time I, I got to my senior year, I was sort of overwhelmed by art in general. And I knew I had to at least try. And I had never really thought of the arts as a career. I don't know how there was that disconnect, how it could mean so much to me. And yet I couldn't necessarily think of it as a career. Um, I felt some sort of a responsibility. Frivolous or something? No, not, not frivolous. Not, not at all. Impossible. Just. Un, like 
unattainable? I don't, I don't know. Um, I had a very loving, very vocal, very supportive, very communicative family. Like, uh, there weren't necessarily roadblocks to that kind of a life. I just think maybe no one in my sphere had ever done that. Um, and I did feel, you know, I was that sort of, I have to change, I have to change the world. I got to make a difference uh -huh. in the world. I've got to, and for some reason I thought that was through, um, the political sphere or, or, um, not for profits or whatever it was. I, I, I never thought I could do it through the arts. Mm. Um, or that I could look to my family and say, you know, all the schooling that I've been through, I, 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 uh, I'm going to take that and, and, and be an actor, but that's where my heart was. And then I just hit New York and, and used the skills I had, I had picked up in economics and politics and, yeah. and political science and, and sort of hit the ground running and, and, you know, you know, I always say that career. to young actors. I say, don't go to school and just study acting. Go to school and study all kinds of things because everything you learn is just going to inform you as a person and you'll be a better actor just through learning other things in the world. You bring I, it into I, yeah, I believe that. Yeah, I believe that too. All right. Did you guys want to talk anything else out into the woods? Well, we want to talk about, I don't know. What should we share, babes? What are we learning along the way? Balance, but that's always the goal, right? I mean, life balance between home life and professional life. And the gift of this opportunity um, is shedding light on the importance of balance. So we are going to take these six weeks and suck the marrow out of all of the art in it and the gifts in it and the highs of it. But we've also learned as parents and partners that this probably can't happen again. That with a young uh, child, both of the parents working this schedule, um, and yeah. we never want to sound like, you know, it's it's too much or that we're not grateful, but we're also, it's we have yeah, to be, realistic. yeah, it's realistic. Yeah. Wishes come and then, true, not free. And then, yeah. <laughs> but you know what? It and, actually makes it even more special because, you know, for a while, this is the last time people will see you two together on stage, which makes you want to go even more, you know, and well, Seb, you're yes. not in it for much longer, right? You're just in it for. No. Yeah. Until uh, October 23rd when I... the great Brian Darcy James comes back. He's a Titan and I'm happy to have held his satchel over my shoulder for a while. <laughs> I like to joke that Seb and I only do shows that involve witches um, <laughs> over the shoulder bags yep. and tight pants. That's, we only say yes to those particular criteria. What else do you want to know about us? Seb has a secret knock what? on my dressing room door. So I know it's him. So I know it's not stage management or my dresser or company management. That's what fun. is it? Can we, we, know? we can't tell you it's a secret knock. It, yeah. And then um, what else do we do together, babes? We brush our teeth kind of at the same yeah. time. Sometimes we have the same warm up with. So you uh, don't share a dressing room. That's a little oh, too no. much togetherness. Our process already. is so different. Mm. Uh, mm. The way we keep our dressing rooms, our space is so different. Let me guess yours is neat. Is messy. It's just not as clean as yours. Yes. I hear you, Seb. Okay. She tells me how messy I was. Meanwhile, she's just anal and I'm just normal. <laughs> this is the perfect example. Okay. <laughs> You've got a shelf on the wall. It's long and horizontal, right? It's not the depth wise is not coming out far, but then you put a basket and you don't put the basket horizontal. You put it this way so that the depth of half of the basket yeah. is hanging over the shelf. Easier to access. What lunatic 
does that. Someone that doesn't care that Someone much? Someone that takes hey, the but- mic tape off the back of their neck and just sticks it on their dressing until, table. Until I'm uh, ready no, to No, no, until up. I say, please tell me you're going to throw that away. No, before you just we preempt leave. the throw out. Oh, I'm ready to no, throw it out. No, no. You come into my room nope. and you start, you know. Nope, with all due respect, there was be- sit there. Yeah. I'm, I'm really glad you guys don't share it. <laughs> It would be a divorce at the end of this run. Yeah, I will say this. The woods. You know, I I will say this. Yesterday, I had to go in a little early and I took the train without her and darn it, I missed her. (gasps) And now, our five questions. All right, I have five questions, but they're all brand new questions. Oh, they are. Yep. Yes, right. you're going rogue. You're She's both going to answer them. This is what happens when I'm left on my own. <laughs> All right. Question number one. We're going to say it to Steph first. Okay. At what moment were you sure that you were going to marry Seb? I was very sure I was going to marry Seb when he was still on tour. I was back home, um, California, and I would have conversations and I would speak to him openly about the past relationship that I was still healing. And he would listen with such an open heart and say, look, there's no pressure here. It's either this lifetime or the next. That was the clencher. Come on. No pressure. No. Seb? Oh, boy. (laughs) Uh, I can tell you that it was well before I think she knew. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and it also included sharing something with her. It's too, too personal. Can't tell you. Can't oh. tell you. Oh. But it was before she knew. You knew. I knew pretty soon that, um, like very soon, that my life was changed forever. And oh. that I hoped to spend my life with Steph. I just didn't know that it would either work that way or that she would agree. <laughs> so um, Steph, if, if you, if you had been talking to him on the phone and he said, no pressure, this life of the next, and you looked up and you saw the basket was on the shelf wrong, would it have mattered? Yes, it would have. Yeah. <laughs> but I will say this, he came in, you pretty, you knew who I was right off the bat there. We were in Florida, our windows, for some reason, there was something wrong with the air conditioning or the window. And he's like, I figured it out. I figured out how to unlock these windows to get fresh air into our rooms. And I said, would you mind doing that for my room? But I wasn't going to be there. And he walked into my hotel room and it was spotless. And he's like, Oh, the maid already came. And I went, no. And he's like, you make your bed every morning and you fold the hand towels like that. Oh and the gosh. office desk like has the pad with the pencil at a diagonal. And I was like, of course. And then there was one time. I've been trained. I've been trained. I was not the same person back then. I mean, you know, I was 29 on tour. My room was not. His clean. room. Was yeah. Your room looked like my room. Disaster. Okay. Next question. <laughs> Seb first. If you could live in another era, which one would it be and why? Oh, wow. Uh, That's really difficult. Um, I think the 1960s. Wow. And I don't know why. I think because of the political. Yeah, I think partially to be on the cusp of of change and to help Mm. 
civil rights and yes exactly it helps sort of you know help make that change the other time was you know early century when um I, i might have gotten to know some family members that um have uh haunted me my spirit so um yeah that's my that's my initial okay. answer you go yeah. well mine is not as earth shattering um i immediately went to the 1930s 1940s mm-hmm. i know that also was a difficult period in history for europe and but i also the height of the golden age of movie yeah. musicals is something that I watch and I just become a different being. It's like my bloodstream goes in a different direction when I watch those movies. So I'd like to say that I might have been there in some capacity. I feel the same way. That's my, that's the era I'd want. And I feel like, I feel like I know it. It's really funny. Yeah. The fashion, the music, the sensibility Mm. of it all. Yeah. There's a familiarity there. Okay. Steph. Yes. Name one irrational fear. Um, Alligators. I feel like they're everywhere. I feel like they could come and get me at any moment. I think they're terribly scary and prehistoric. And I wish they would just, um, you know, become extinct. Completely irrational, but never been encountered with one. But God forbid there could be one literally in my living room. Perhaps in the 1930s, you were eaten by one. I was no could have been Seb. Rational fear, that spiders. Rational fear, spiders. Irrational fear. Fear is not the right word, but like complex relationship with multiple choice. <laughs> There's that many. No, just multiple no. choice. You ask him a multiple choice question. Multiple- he cannot answer. <laughs> I, I give this man a magazine quiz and watch him. Don't melt. give me Facebook quizzes. Don't give me those online things where they what, ask any questions. Are you? He will fucking this, explode. This is oh un- my god! This is unnecessary and unfair because invariably there's haziness <laughs> and multiple choice. Ergo, multiple answers like there are you know unless you give me an all of the above even that's hazy because like maybe c maybe c is not as true as b and a i'm telling you i think it's garbage i love you so story of his i want the whole story i want i want i want an other i'm I'm, dyslexic are you uh never diagnosed because that's a dyslexia thing dyslexics we can't take multiple choice quizzes because every single answer is correct to us. We can, yeah. our brain can find a way to no. make it correct. The process is wrong. I don't, and and don't come at me with statistics that say it's right. No, <laughs> I want an other tab. I want, a, you know, please specify extra notes on the neck, on the back of this page. Yes. I need to tell you more. Hold There's on. I'm always a little more. sorry. I asked this question. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, so ladies, when you were like, Oh, Sebastian Arcellus, I'm so jealous. Uh, yeah. You were thinking that? You rethinking that right now? Look, complicated, maybe layered, definitely. Oh my god, I love you guys. Okay, <laughs> I don't even know if that was four or five or what, but I'm just going to keep going. All right, I don't even know whose turn is it. Is it your turn, Steph? Fine, no, I'm first. Now. Oh okay. wait, no, I said alligators oh. first. Okay, so Seb, Seb, yeah. Seb, is there one thing that belongs to Stephanie that you will never ever get rid of? Stop, just answer the epic like, question. Oh my God. Questions are so <laughs> difficult. Um, yes. Uh, 
that I will never get rid of. The problem is that she gets rid of uh, many things and she does it without me knowing. So, well, of course, her wedding dress, her wedding okay. ring. That's it. That's the answer. Her wedding dress. No, there's more. There are more answers. Oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, I could go on forever. You're right. Um, All right, Steph. Is there anything of his that I will never get rid of? This, ah. Uh, <laughs> she wants I just to need to think. I just need... This is not the, if I was given more time, I'd come up with something else, but the image that keeps coming into my head. Okay. This is a little personal as well, but for every anniversary, we take quite literally like the first anniversary is paper, right? So, and you follow suit. I can't remember what Mm -hmm. year, but the year was copper. And this crazy man decided to show up as a cop and he did this whole extraordinary dance for me. There was a whole scene lit that went with it. And so there is a copper costume upstairs oh. that I just will never get rid of. That is gold. Because it's gold. Because it is one of those core memories where it was loving, romantic, hilarious, the true him. And we were both so silly and in love. Right. That, oh. that cheap ass costume. Yep. It, I love it. It holds so much. I'm I love a copper. it. That's what I said. I'm a copper. <laughs> and I, you want to know how this is how Seb it was. So, of course, like I didn't, it, you know. <laughs> I showed up with like, you know, I Spotify and it was like bad company or something like, you know, the music. music yeah. So I got this like life. music and I start dancing and I'm doing the thing. <laughs> and then out of nowhere, as I'm in the middle of this dance, it's all uh, for a 2014 Mazda Civic. You can get it for the commercial came on and suddenly, you know, that. That killed the mood, but we laugh. Oh my gosh. We do laugh. That's the joy. That's, That's the, the secret. thing you're going to keep. Huh? Lots of laughing. Yeah. Okay, now I'm flipping it. Steph, if there was one thing of his that he keeps that you really want to toss, what would it be? He still has clothes from college that he keeps going, what size is this? When did I ever wear this? And yet puts it back on the hanger and puts it back in his closet. And I wish I could throw out all of those clothes, but he cannot. That is a moment in his, whatever, his timeline that represents something so special that I can't understand, but he's not ready to get rid of it. But these, these clothes are just terrible. Yeah. I answer? Yeah. Bag bomb. <laughs> okay, that is such a random thing. For those That shit know, is disgusting. <laughs> bag bomb is a little ointment or like a mollient type thing. That my mom, actually my grandmother turned my mother onto, my mother turned me onto, and it comes in a tin dish, and it's literally what farmers would put on cow udders when they Why would. do you have that? Because it's great for dry skin, but it smells <laughs> terrible. So sometimes I'll have it on my old lady face, like when I go to sleep, and he'll kiss me goodnight. He's like, son of a... <laughs> yeah, you smell like a disgusting cow udder with medicine oh, on it God. you guys will you keep the romance so hot up in here yeah. <laughs> i think this might be my favorite interview ever okay and we're just gonna end with the nail polish seb <sighs> if you were a nail polish what color would you be what would the name be um i mean i guess i'm sort of a it's not a nail polish but i have to be navy blue right i mean i always i just wear blue yeah. all i do is wear yeah. blue um 
I mean, I've heard you do interviews forever and I've never come up with the name. Um, uh, high, strong, in a laid back way. Oh, how do you even fit that on a label? But I like it. That's the thing. I it, like it. That, yeah. Yeah. Um, interesting. I'm only allowed to wear clear now because I'm a peasant woman and I have to wear clear for the next couple months, which is not usually my jam. Usually I do like to have some fun color. So um, I don't know. Mine might have like a little bit of a little hue of like a brown and it's called clear as mud. Ooh, I like that. That's cute, right? Yeah, I like it. Clear as mud. What about the baker's wife and the baker? What would their colors be? Ooh. Ooh. What would their nail polish be? Um, They're pretty uh, earth tony, aren't they? Yeah. Beans, beans, the magical fruit. That's that's good. Uh, Um, Or it could be a polish that's got different, right? So white, red, yellow, and gold. The cow is white as milk. The cape is red oh. as blood. The hair is yellow as corn. The slipper is pure as gold. So just a whole bunch of, you know, the four colors. And it'll that be called be cute. Bun in the Oven. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, Bun, bun in, in the, the oven. oven. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> All right. That's guys. real cute. I Not love anymore, you both. Though, babes. We love you. This was so much fun. That's so much fun. Are you going to now hang up with us and be like, so what struck a chord with me? <laughs> no. Huh. no, no, I don't think so. No. I think there's enough in this interview to sustain us for the whole hour. <laughs> uh. Babbling on. All right. Well, All right. everybody, thanks for listening. Come see Into the Woods. Into the Woods. It, into the so, Woods. It's so, so worth going to see. I want to see it again, and I've already seen it twice. So, yeah. Come on back. Yeah. We love I'm you, ML. Love you both so, so much. Love you. Bye. Okay, everybody. So I couldn't get the rights to any songs from Bad Company to play at the end of this podcast. So I just want you to pretend that I'm playing Bad Company while picturing Seb Arcellus in his copper uniform. You're welcome. We'll see you in two weeks. Y'all, Stages is now sponsored by BetterHelp, and I couldn't be more excited because I love therapy. So I encourage you, if you've had a tough year and a half, (laughs) why don't you give them a shot? You can find a therapist that you can connect with. Their resource is thousands of therapists, well-trained and experienced. You can keep looking until you find someone that you click with. They have customized online therapy. They do offer videos, but they also offer phone and live chat sessions. So you don't even have to be seen. You can only be heard. What are you waiting for? Go to BetterHelp. That's H-E-L-P dot com slash stages. And for our cast members, you get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash stages. Go, go, go. Go find your healing. Go find your happy. Stages podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. That's H-E-L-P. Thanks for listening, everyone. If you loved this episode or any of our episodes, please follow, subscribe, and share on all your social media platforms. Go ahead and give us five stars and a review. That helps us a lot. You can always find us at stagespodcast.net. 
Thank you to Allison Arns, our booking agent, Brock Grenfeld, our sound engineer, Noah Kaiserman and Garrett Healy for our original music, and Tina Wargo, our social media manager. Stages podcast is produced and edited by me, Mary Lee Fairbanks, and Stephanie J. Block. And thank you to all of you, our cast members, for listening. We'll see you real soon. <laughs>